Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. What's going on, everybody? Zach Rosenblatt here with Mike K for the latest episode of the No Huddle Show, Memorial Day weekend edition. We're recording this on Memorial Day. You guys won't get it till Tuesday morning, but, uh, you know, we've, we've been off for a couple weeks. Mike was on vacation. I had some vacation. We're back. We're going to try and get you guys some more once a week if we can. But uh, how you doing, Mike? It's, <laughs> I mean, it's been so long since obviously I've seen you, but it feels like it's been a while since we've talked. Yeah, I think like my beard growth has been at least two inches since the last time we we did this podcast. Like it's grown pretty gnarly. How about your? How's your beard doing? It's it's a it's a big old gnarly beard, and most people haven't seen it. So it's probably best. That I, I originally I was just like, yeah, I just won't shave it during quarantine at all, and then it started getting huge, and then quarantine kept going, and, and so now I occasionally trim it so I don't look like a, a mad caveman, but. You know, I had I invested in a new kind of uh, beard wash. It was a little more expensive, but it's doing the job. And this is my life in quarantine in 2020. So it's like it's like your bulletproof coffee for Nick Foles. It's like the new exactly. product that you're like really. And, and it's working wonders so far. So if I'm the hey. Nick Foles of uh, beards on this beat, then that's okay. They mentioned bulletproof coffee on uh, Shark Tank the other day, and I was like, "Oh, oh really? I, know that. I know about that brand, yeah." Because they, okay, always... I know, I know that one. I know that one. Yeah, I mean, it was <laughs> it was surreal. It was an out of body experience knowing about a brand. Peter <laughs> yeah. um, Nick Foles, did you watch? Uh, did you watch the match yesterday uh, on Sunday? I didn't because I was trying to finish my vacation goal of watching all of Deadwood in one nice. week, and I accomplished it. Got it down. It's to a good goal. Got it down to the 13th hour, watched the TV movie at 1 o'clock in the morning. Didn't realize that my kid was going to wake up at 5.40 this morning and my wife was going to be like, hey, do you mind taking care of him? Probably not the best decision, but you know, what, what are you going to do? <laughs> yeah, but uh, but uh, in regards to Nick Foles, I'm sure you saw on Twitter, though, about uh, Peyton Manning was just like roasting everybody. And he uh, at the beginning, he like made a joke to Tom Brady about how maybe he should get uh, that, that Peyton should get either Bill Belichick or Nick Foles as his, uh, or, or Eli as his, uh, uh, caddy, like just making fun of the people that have in, in a way bested, uh, Brady throughout his career. And then later, like Brady had this like weirdly phrased thing where he said, he's not scared of Falcons, but he's scared of Eagles. And of course, Eagles Twitter just latched onto that and hasn't stopped talking about it. So, yeah, I wonder if it was like, he was talking about like the golf term, well, I think yeah. he was trying to make a joke, but also referencing foot. But he also like phrased it in a very weirdly right. grammatically grammatical sentence. <laughs> but uh, hey, it's Tom Brady, so he also ripped his pants. But he's one of the few people that can rip his pants, and you know it's not really going to affect him at all someone, <laughs> on, someone, on national TV. I'm sure there are some people that would encourage him to rip his pants. <laughs> so, like, you know, I mean, 
Whatever. I mean, like like everybody was saying, I didn't I didn't watch it from start to finish. I was doing some other stuff, but um, everybody was saying how it's it's weird seeing Tom Brady be a human. It's actually he's making this more entertaining because he like was not playing well before he had a great shot late in the match. He wound up losing, of course. Um, anyway, uh, we can get into some Eagles talk. There's not a whole lot to talk about. It's more about what the Eagles haven't done yet. Uh, as it wouldn't be an Eagles offseason if there wasn't a lot of discussion about them either signing or not signing a running back. And we've reached that stage of the offseason where there's nothing else to talk about. So Eagles fans are back on that. Uh, there's There's been rumors over the last few weeks of them being interested in specific veteran guys, specifically Carlos Hyde and Devontae Freeman were the ones for a while. And then LaShawn McCoy has been throwing them back into the mix. And then Carlos Hyde kind of surprised me that he signed with the Seahawks. I, I didn't see what the contract was. Uh, they do love get, at getting as many running backs as possible. Chris Carson gets a lot of carries, so I can't imagine he gets a lot of touches there. But um, maybe the Eagles just weren't offering him any more than a minimum, which is something you could probably talk a lot a bit more. But so if they're if they're choosing between those three guys, that leaves Devontae and Lashawn McCoy. But what do you think when you heard uh, Carlos Hyde chose to go elsewhere? Man, I'm glad I'm on vacation and I don't have to deal with all the Twitter backlash. The Eagles yeah, not yeah. hiding probably the most ideal of the three guys. Um, you know, I, I thought he made the most sense from a complimentary standpoint with Miles Sanders. He is a big dude, very used to playing in rotations, can pick up short yardage. But I think people kind of overlook the fact that Boston Scott was pretty good in short yardage last yeah. year. You can't really go with that and just claim, you know, Boston Scott's kind of in that Greg Ward, Josh Perkins, um, TJ Edwards kind of category where they showed some flash and they showed they have the capabilities of doing things, at least in in certain moments. But you don't know if they can do that in a prolonged sense with a lot of tape out there and a lot of study of their game uh, by other teams. So I think when you look at the running back stable, you've got Miles Sanders, who's going to be a legit star in this league. You've got Boston Scott, who's a good change of pace back, who can catch the ball out of the backfield pretty well. And then you've got two undrafted rookies in Adrian Killens and Michael Warren. You've got a guy who's never played in a, in a regular season game in Elijah Holyfield. And then you've got the former Super Bowl hero, but also the oft-injured running back, uh, Corey Clement, who didn't have a carry last year. So I think there's a lot to be desired from a depth standpoint. And so I think when you look at Devontae Freeman and you look at LaShawn McCoy, I think they're both appealing for different reasons. Um, I think the fan hey, let, base... let, let, let's, let's go each guy and do pro con. So yeah, we, yeah. Now we can break him down that way. Let's start with uh, Freeman. Cause I think he's the bigger name right now. Okay. So Freeman is coming off uh, three seasons where he missed 18 total games. He missed 14 games due to various injuries in 2018, had a kind of mediocre year last year. He had over a thousand all purpose yards, but just still wasn't the dynamic player that he normally is. Uh, it's worth noting when you consider his, uh, you know, durability that he was in a rotation with Tevin Coleman for several years uh, prior to last season. So I think he's an interesting guy because he knows what it's like to play in a tandem or a rotation in, out of the backfield. He's very good at catching the ball. Um, he offers he had 50, 59 catches last year in a, in a down year, which is pretty good. So yeah, he offers a bit more power than you're expecting from a smaller back. I think he would complement Miles Sanders pretty well. Uh, Again, though, the major con for him is durability. He also wants 
significant money. He turned down money from Seattle that Carlos Hyde essentially took. I think it was a contract, a one-year contract of up to $4 million. Uh, Ian Rappaport brought it up on Monday that, you know, retirement could be an option for him. He's 27, I mean, he's 28 years old. He's made 24 million already. Uh, if he's not going to get the type of offers that he wants, which he won't at this point in the off season, unless there's a major running back injury for a team that's Super Bowl bound, I, I just don't know what the other option is other than signing with the Eagles, trying to win a ring, or you just don't think it's worth it for the wear and tear of your, of your body. And so I think that's something the Eagles really have to weigh. If he does not want to play for a maybe one or $2 million contract, he's probably not going to sign at any point during training camp. Maybe he signs in the middle of the season and waits for an injury. But to me, um, I'm not paying a veteran running back more than $2 million. I I just, I probably even wouldn't pay $2 million. I just don't think it's worth it right now. I like Boston Scott a lot. I, I, I love Miles Sanders and the talent that he brings, but if, if Devontae Freeman thinks he's going to get four or $5 million from the Eagles, he's out of his mind. Yes, I agree with that. And, and then LaShawn McCoy, I'll, I'll give my opinion on this after yeah, you run through it. the pros and cons with him, run through what you think about Shady and then we can start talking about what we think they should so, do. LaShawn's going to turn uh 32 in July. That's a, I mean, it goes, it's pretty counterintuitive to the Eagles offseason, but then again, they've also been checking in on Jason Peters, who's 38. Um, I think the age is the problem. I think you, you get concerned about the, the myth over the man in a lot of ways, because he is the team's all-time leading rusher. He is a guy that Doug Peterson has a good relationship with. He's a guy that Howie Roseman and Jeffrey Lurie have good relationships with. You wonder if, he kind of gets a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt, maybe in touches. He is also pretty similar to Miles Sanders. He's not offering you a, a ground and pound option. He's not offering you something else. He's just offering you kind of an older version of Miles Sanders. So I think that might be where I'm kind of, I don't really see the compliment there. I could see it if mile if they're concerned about durability in general and they just want to have a guy who can go in there if Miles Sanders gets injured or Boston Scott gets injured. But realistically, I think the man versus the myth issue is what I think a lot of the Eagles fan base that doesn't want him back in Philly is is struggling with. Obviously, he had some of those off the field st- stories that he had and um, but that aside, I mean, he hasn't been in trouble or anything like that legally. He hasn't dealt with suspensions. He's been extremely durable too, uh, for his age. Um, you do look at his season with the chiefs and it's kind of bizarre because he was averaging a pretty good yards per carry. He was doing pretty well. And then he had a fumble and then got benched, uh, for Damian Williams. So that's kind of weird. I think you'd be able to get more insight from Andy Reid as the Eagles than you would with any other team. Uh, so that's kind of helpful if Andy Reid's just like, look, we went with the hot hand and he can't play special teams. That's also another drawback. When you have a second or third running back who can't play special teams, it limits your ability to move around the roster. That said, with the new roster parameters of being able to have 48 guys active, maybe it's you bring up a special teams running back or a special teams tight end to kind of fill that void. And it doesn't matter as much because you have LaShawn on the active roster. But that that would be my take on, on LaShawn McCoy. All right, yeah, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, my opinion about these two guys is, like you said, I don't think they should pay 
any more than $2 million. For you. Maybe a, a Devontae Freeman, you can throw some incentives in, in the event that he has to be their full-time starter or something. Uh, but yeah, I wouldn't pay more than $2 million. And I, I honestly wouldn't even sign LeSean McCoy. I'd rather roll with Boston Scott. I think he showed a lot at the end of last season. He's young. Um, I think, you know, I, I know you mentioned that, like, LeSean McCoy was starting quite a bit for the Chiefs, even though he joined them, like, right before the season. Uh, but in the last six games that he played, he only averaged 3.49 yards a carry. He didn't play at all in the playoffs. He played one snap the entire playoffs. He didn't play at all the last three weeks of the regular season. He can't play special teams. I'm not sure he's a particularly good blocker anymore. So, like, I don't, I don't really – unless he's your third running back, I don't really know what he's given to you that Boston Scott can't. Um, especially because Boston Scott is a good special teams player. I don't know how he is as a blocker. He probably needs to work there, but he's a young – um, I'd, I'd rather roll with him and try and build up his confidence rather than bringing in competition or waiting until, I don't know, if like Lamar Miller heals up by July or somebody will get cut that, you know, is going to be a, is a decent play. Running backs get cut all the time. I, I would rather not sign either of them than pay too much or to bring in LaShawn McCoy at this point in his career. Yeah, the one guy I could see them going after and maybe a trade and just like a flyer is Royce Freeman from Denver. Yeah, I like that a lot, yeah. Denver has Philip Lindsay. They brought in Melvin Gordon on a pretty nice contract. Uh, I struggle to figure out where Freeman fits into their running back rotation because it did sound like John Elway wants a two-man. Uh, he wants a tandem as opposed to a trio. Um, and so Freeman, if you can maybe offer a player that you think is probably not a long-term fit for the team, somebody like a Craven LeBlanc or, or Rasul Douglas or – you know, somebody of that ilk, maybe an offensive lineman, and you can get a deal done, a player swap before training camp. That makes sense to me. He's still on his rookie contract. He has a background with Rich Grand Guerrero, who's the uh, senior offensive assistant for this team. And, uh, you know, I, I think you, you've just got to be smart, and that seems like a Howie move to me. I, I really wouldn't pay Freeman or McCoy. I am a very big believer in letting Miles Sanders be the guy. Yeah. But I do think you're going to keep four running backs. Corey Clement's probably better off as a special teams ace, um, potential kick returner used on offense in certain packages, but not re with regularity. I think the rookie uh, year was the exception and not the rule. And I mean, that's what you do. You have Clement as your special teams guy in the backfield. You bring in, you've got Boston Scott who can also play special teams. And then you bring in a guy who can compete with Boston Scott for that number two job, because I do think Scott still needs competition. I think yeah. Scott's definitely making the roster and I think he's going to have a, de a definitive role. I just think if you can bring in a guy on a rookie contract, that makes a lot of sense because the, I'm under the impression the Eagles do not want to pay running back. I mean, if they did, they would have. Uh, yeah. yeah, I'm sure Hyder Friedman would already be here. Um, but yeah, I'm team uh, trade for a low cost running back. Yeah, or or like wait it out for somebody to get cut. Like who knows if you even like the Jaguars just give up on Fournette or something like that. Like I don't know. There, there's going to be there's always running backs that get cut after the. I mean, Lashawn McCoy got cut last year, and the Eagles didn't want to sign him. So right. So I mean, again, I think running back is a lot like linebacker. I mean, they could. I wrote a story this morning of the four positions that they could afford to add a veteran linebacker, man. Woo. I mean, outside of Nathan Gary, they don't really have a guy with like legitimate starting experience. Um, and that's a problem. Uh, in my opinion, I know they don't really invest in the linebacker position, but I mean, 
at some point you've got to stop the run outside of your 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 defensive line, you know. So so we can transition to that now. I know you want to talk about what else. I know they have other needs besides running back, obviously. Um, it seems like everybody's kind of in a holding pattern right now with signing guys in general. I think they're waiting until they have the like Jadavian Clowney still hasn't signed anywhere, by the way. Um, waiting for I think a lot of teams are waiting to be able to have the ability to take give guys physicals both on their team and in free agency and and then kind of go from there. But uh, if their Eagles were to sign other positions, would linebacker be at the top of the list for you? Yeah, I think linebacker and defensive end are the two positions where I I see I get with where they're going. I understand their confidence in T.J. Edwards, Nathan Gary, as well as their confidence in Brandon Graham, uh, Derek Barnett, and Josh Sweat. But I do think reinforcing those positions with some veteran talent is important. I mean, I think when you look at linebacker, they have Duke Riley and Jatavis Brown, who both have some starting experience, but both of them, you know, kind of fizzled out pretty quickly in their first stops, you know, Atlanta and uh, Los Angeles. So, like, to me, they scream Corey Nelson. I think Duke has the special teams upside that he'll be a special teams captain again. I think there's a lot of Camus Grugier Hill to him. But as far as starting on defense and being a consistent member of the starting defensive front, I, I have concerns. Um, there's not really a lot of talent out there. Like Nigel Bradham's still out there, but it's really a very small list. Uh, I think they'd probably bring in a guy after final cuts or maybe early on in training camp when teams kind of figure out what they have. This is a weird offseason. It's hard to kind of predict who's going to come loose. And then I think at defensive end, the one guy I would bring in is Vinny Curry. I think he would sign for the minimum. He knows the defense. By this time now, he can probably accept being the fourth defensive end in, in, the, pa- in the pass rushing rotation. Um, there's that. I mean, a couple of people, uh, after I posted the article said something about tight end. I think they're happy with tight end. I don't think, I think they've invested enough. I think they run a lot of 12 personnel mainly because of the talent they have there in Dallas Goddard and Zach Ertz. I mean, when Brent Selleck was here, they ran a lot of 12 because he was a very good blocker. He was essentially a six offensive lineman, uh, and Zach Ertz, Zach Ertz. Um, so I think they're okay having a competition between, uh, you know, Josh Perkins, Alex Ellis, and Noah, uh, I can't even pronounce his last name, Twagai. Uh, <laughs> so, um, you know, we'll see where that goes. And and, and so I, I should say, while you were on uh, vacation, I I was in on the Doug, last Doug Peterson video call, and uh, he it seems like they're going back in the direction of trying to talk up Andre Dillard as their future at left tackle. And he kind of, they said they're still, they are, they're, talk, they're keeping in touch with Peters, but you know, he was hyping up Dillard again. So I don't know if this is all a negotiation tactic with Peters or if they're legitimate about it. Like, where, how do you, where do you think they're at right now with that? So from Peters' end, I wouldn't sign till training camp anyway. You're not going to the offseason program. Yeah. It doesn't really, I mean, especially with their, the fact that there are no like physical operations to it. Nobody's tearing an ACL tomorrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're, you're waiting and just waiting. I mean, there's going to be a virtual veterans mini camp. Like, think about that. Like, that's that's like the, the time when injuries start, like freak injuries happen. You remember like OTAs, Paul Wurlow a couple of years ago. You're, you're going to laugh under your breath about this. But like, remember, Paul Wurlow tore his ACL on the first day of OTAs. Play. The first, yeah. first play of OTAs, yes. Right. I was there. And, he, yeah. and, and he told me, he's like, you know, I was so embarrassed because like no one does that. Like you're like no one gets is supposed to get injured in OTAs. Uh, but it happens. And I mean... 
if Peters is waiting for the, for a physical sign, I, I just don't know what he's waiting for. You know what I mean? So if I'm him, I'm just waiting it out. Uh, interest will pop up when during the first week of training camp because there's always a major injury at left tackle somewhere, um, whether it's season-ending or it's for a few weeks or months. But, uh, you know, if from his vantage point, he shouldn't be in a rush to sign, just like Jadavian Clowney shouldn't be in a rush to sign. Um, from the Eagles' end, I think it pays to wait because if you give Andre Dillard the actual shot to win the job, you're not, like, damning him – to a situation of a lot of what ifs and a lot of predetermined opinions. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, you know, an interesting part about the off season thing, like, like we've talked about this in the past, like it's going to be very interesting to see how that impacts somebody like Dillard. Like, I wonder if he has a bad, if they start training camp on time, if he has a bad practice, if they start like feeling like, I don't yeah. know what, what, like, I, I don't I wonder how, how quickly they called, they get Jason Peters on the phone or like if he hasn't signed at that point or whatever. So it's funny you mentioned that. So I distinctly remember this. I was talking to another media member. It was the first practice of training camp and Nate Sudfeld looked horrific, like had a terrible practice. Um, or maybe it was the second day. And we turned to each other and we're like, there's no way that he's the number two quarterback heading into the season. They got to sign somebody. Now, you know, when he went, got injured, they signed Josh McCown. Then it came out that they were calling McCown way before that. Um, yeah. So to your point, I, I do wonder if like that's something they're considering, you know what I mean? Like give the kid some rope and see how long it takes for him to kind of tie the noose. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I look, I think he's on shaky ground. I, I think there's a lot of, uh, external and internal posturing when it comes to Andre Dillard on both sides of the argument. Um, I don't think he is set in stone at the starting left tackle position as of now. I, I think he will be the starting left tackle in week one, but you know, you never know with Jason Peters lingering out there and wanting to finish his career in Philadelphia. Yeah. Um, and in to tie back to your anecdote there, I, also, another thing on that call that I think is going to be a factor for all teams in the league, especially ones that are rookie heavy, um, is that they're all kind of missing this offseason time. I think, I think, I believe they would be in OTAs or minicamp like right now, actually. Yeah, they're um, in OTAs. Yeah. And, and I, I think I saw something about the Eagles, like not even, like just not even doing the virtual thing this week or something like that. I'm not sure if that's so, true. Anyway. So, yeah, yeah. That got squashed. That's not true. Okay. Got squashed. Okay. It's good, good you said that. All right. Yeah, cool. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Um, like rookies are obviously the most affected, especially teams with like young quarterbacks. But the Eagles have had Carson Wentz long enough that that part of it shouldn't matter. Although they have a lot of the young receivers. But the point being, Doug pretty like in in a long detailed answer, which Doug doesn't give a long detailed answers that long. Explained like why Nate Sudfeld is probably the number two quarterback as it stands right now, and how they're going to give him every chance to, and how Jalen Hurts still has a long way to go in terms of learning the offense, like. There's just not. It's just not this. Like, and coaches have said this, and they've tried to like play it off, like they're they're gonna play with the cards they're dealt. But like, especially quarterbacks, like talking to Press Taylor on Zoom and and talking to Carson Wentz on Zoom and texting with him and talking to Doug Peterson on a video chat is just not the same thing as going out on the field and throwing it to receivers and seeing the routes in action and seeing the plays and seeing where you mess up and watching the film of it. So I, I just don't see a scenario where Jalen Hurts is the is ready to be the number two quarterback. At the very least, the first half of the season, if everything starts on time. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with that. I, I think I think in a lot of ways, that first month of the season is going to be a serious, you know, learning experience 
for Hertz on the job. And so I think, I think maybe by mid season, you could see it to where they admit that, you know, Hertz is the guy behind Wentz, but I, I just don't see it. Like, I think this year you take your lumps and you say, look, we're investing in this guy long-term. He's going to get to learn behind Nate Sudfeld. We'll probably have him active for the majority of the games this season. But for right now, you know, Nate Sudfeld's the backup and look, we've invested enough in Carson that if, if, if he does go down, we either need to create a package for Jalen Hurts to where he splits the load with Nate Sudfeld, or we've just made our bed so we've got to lie in it. You know, they've shown patience with with Sudfeld throughout the years. I don't personally think he's ready for this job because he hasn't shown it yet. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how they kind of figure this out moving forward. But yeah, for the most part, I think Nate Sudfeld's going to be the week one backup quarterback. Barring yeah, I, yeah, barring injury, which is always possible. I mean, hey, Josh McCown is still hanging around if they want to give him another call. So Right, and that would bother me significantly if I were Nate Sudfeld because he yes. has not officially retired and he knows the system and there isn't a person in that locker room last year that didn't like Josh McCown. So, oh, man, especially by the end of the year. And, and you saw it on the uh, the Amazon series too, where like the, especially that last game, just like the way everybody was like there for him. Well, and they went out of their way to make th- accommodate him with this yeah. deal last year. Like that doesn't normally happen. So I do wonder if Nate kind of isn't showing the type of, you know, talent on the field. If they do start to wonder, hey, Josh, do you want to come back? We know that if you get injured in a game, we have Jalen Hurts. We're going to have him active for a package role. So we're not as, you know. The, the main issue that they should have taken away from that Seattle playoff game is, you know, in the playoffs, you should always have as many active quarterbacks as possible. Like you had a 40 year old behind an oft injured starter in a huge game that was a winnable game. And, you know, he got injured and you couldn't bench him because all you have is Greg Ward. You know what I mean? So it, I, I mean, if I'm them, that's part of the appeal of having Jalen Hurts active for every game, along with yeah. Nate Sudfeld. Yeah, it'll be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see the strategy that goes along. Like, we're, we're, everybody's going to be able to analyze, like, why they picked those two practice squad guys to be active on game day or whatever. Like, it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, it's going to be a fun week every single week. I love it. It'll be like a I mean, I mean you're, you're, a big, you're a big inactives guy, so. Yeah, huge, huge, huge inactives guy from the jump. Yep. And, and it's going to impact the ability to win uh, Bo Wolf's uh, patented uh, Feely Award because there's going to be guys that, like, are on the practice. Like, it's going to be just – I don't know. It just seems like the approach is going to be way different. Like, a guy like Matt Pryor or whatever maybe j- might just go on the practice squad. Like, in, like a six-round pick could, might just be on the practice squad all year instead of on the roster because they can make him active or something. Or yeah, can, I think Sean you know, Bradley is, is going to yeah. be an interesting case study like that. And Quez yeah. Watkins, too. Exactly. Um. All right, I think that's all we got Eagles-wise. Uh, I know you wanted to do some recommendations at the end here. What do you got? All right, so uh, I watched Deadwood. I really recommend that you guys, if you're in quarantine mode and you need to find some entertainment, uh, I, I got HBO Now, uh, and it was a very smart decision. Uh, there are – I mean, you can really – like, if you have time on your hands uh, and you're not working a ton – you can, uh, there's 36 episodes and an hour and like 50 minute movie. And that's like the entire series. It's insane that that show got canceled after three seasons, just like for, 
I mean, the creator went on to do, like, John in Cincinnati, which from all accounts is a terrible show. But anyway, whatever. Um, actually, IMDb likes it, but I guess if, if you're really passionate about something, you're going to go either mm-hmm. way. Um, and then my other recommendation, That Thing You Do, if you have not seen that yet. I, I, was, I saw that movie very late in, in, in my actually, life. Actually, I've not seen that. You should see it. It's Tom Hanks' first movie that he ever wrote, directed, and, uh, he wrote and directed it. Howie Long has a scene that was cut from the movie, but uh, my wife and I watch it like every couple of years. My wife introduced me to it. It was the rare occasion where my wife kind of like schooled me on a movie. She's like, I can't believe you haven't seen this. Um, but... I actually had an experience like that just last night. I One of my weak, spot, weak spots movie-wise is I had never seen Princess Bride, and I just uh, watched that for the first time last night because it was my girlfriend's favorite movie. You watched it before you saw Tombstone. I don't like. Yes. I don't understand. <laughs> I told you at this point that's just to spite you. You need to watch the the movie. Tombstone is always the recommendation. I don't even need to say it. Like just a blanket recommendation from you oh, to watch Tombstone. Yes. Also, if you're looking for a really good book, I read uh, Val Kilmer's memoir uh, during my week of vacation. A very good book. A lot of insight into his life. It's less movie related and more so like life oriented. Uh, I, I I thought it was kind of it was very enlightening. He's gone through kind of hell and back medically over the last few years, but he kind of offered some insight there. Offered a little bit of insight on Top Gun too, um, but and how that came to be. But you know, it's it, I, I thought it was pretty good. I read it in two days, so it was an interesting read. What so, do you got? so the book I just started yesterday or two days ago is. A nice little sequel to The Last Dance. It's called When Nothing Else Matters. Uh, it's about Michael Jordan's time with the Wizards when he came back and when he started out as executive. And it was a Washington Post writer named Michael uh, Lehe. I don't know how to say it, pronounce his last name. It's, it's I can't put it down. It's really great. It doesn't make Michael look very good. It actually makes him look quite bad. And I just think it's a really awesome like follow. If you want to scratch that Michael Jordan itch, it's so good. I don't know if the, it's available on paperback, but I got it on Kindle. I think you can get it on your phone or ipad or your computer or whatever um there's just some great like behind the scenes stuff this, this reporter followed them for a full year uh and he had like had some interviews and he just has like such great detail and there's all these anecdotes about just the way michael jordan was like treating his teammates when he came back especially kwame brown who they, oh, they described like one one practice in particular where like kwame was like famously pretty soft um and he was just like complaining every time he wasn't getting a, a foul call at one scrimmage. Well, for okay, so first this the the start of the anecdote was that like first he was challenging Michael to one on one. He was like, you know, thinking he could beat Michael, this thirty eight year old guy who's slow and he's a lot taller than him. And then Michael goes to destroy him and talk trash to him every single time up the floor, just like destroying his confidence. And then at like a scrimmage, I don't know if it was that day or whatever, uh, Kwame's like complaining that like Christian Leitner's fouling him too much. And Michael Jordan just starts calling him some words that I cannot repeat on here over and over again. And <laughs> it's it's like no wonder that like Kwame just never – I mean, he actually wound up having a long career, but uh, it's no wonder that he didn't pan out confidence-wise because when Michael first started like – he start, when he started out, Michael like it was the one that drafted him. So Michael yeah, right, took him yeah. under and he like felt responsibility for him. And then Michael flips and just like has no respect for him, so he's just destroying him every day. And it's like he, he was not a good te- – I don't know it. I mean, there's a lot of stories about him as a Bulls teammate. I don't think a lot of it was shown in the documentary, but he was not a good teammate as the Wizards iteration of himself. And that was a weird collection of like players that year. 
it was like funny seeing like Richard Hamilton at the beginning of his career, Christian Leitner at the end and guys like Popeye Jones and things like if you're Popeye. if you're an early 2000s late 90s basketball guy there's some interesting names in there and yeah what, I've what, really I, enjoyed that book but like see like that the Rip Hamilton relationship is like what I really want to know about oh, the, the, yeah, the, that, there's there's a lot in there about that because it, before Michael got there Rip was kind of starting to emerge right like yeah. the season before he had like a few 40 point games he uh, he didn't play defense at all, and he was kind of thin. What and like, there's I don't want to spoil everything, but there's like a lot of stuff about how Michael Jordan was basically controlling Doug Collins too, and making him do whatever he wanted. And Doug Collins was Doug Collins comes out of this looking very bad, and like he like he's Michael's puppet pretty much. Well, uh, I thought he came time. off pretty poorly during the, the yeah. last dance today. I mean, <laughs> Doug Collins famously just like, and I mean, any Sixers fans listening to this, and I know there's some that do. Doug Collins pretty famously just like flames out every what happens is he comes to a team some young players get a little better the team competes after in like the second year and then his Doug Collins's personality just like ruins it and he, he becomes a type that nobody in the locker room respects and then he gets fired and that's and that's and he keeps on getting jobs and now he finally does anyway he seems like the 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 nice guy Larry Brown in a lot of ways you know what I mean yeah, but yeah Larry except, Brown's a much better coach yeah except I mean. Larry yeah he, yeah Larry alienated people famously all the time yeah. and then TV show wise uh if anyone's fans of the show Rick and Morty I've just started that new show Solar Opposites on Hulu which is the same creators it's somehow more R-rated than Rick and Morty, and it is. It, I'm liking it so far. Thomas Middleditch voices a character. The kid from uh, Goldberg's is on there, um, and it's really funny. It's the same exact tone, and if you like Rick and Morty, you'll like this show. And I, that's what I would recommend. I think there's eight episodes on Hulu. Well, dope. Um, All right, as the kids say. Um, I don't think kids say that, Mike. They don't. They don't say it. Oh no. <laughs> One more, one more before we go. Don't explain it. Who's your breakout player for this year on offense or defense? Breakout player on offense or defense? I mean, I might say Miles Sanders, honestly. I think he's going to take the next step into like being a pro bowler type guy. So, I mean, they're counting on him to do that at least. I'm going to go TJ Edwards. I, I, yeah. think, I think he's going to have a really good year. That makes a lot of sense. All right, we'll wrap up on that. We'll try and get you guys another episode uh, next week. And then, uh, yeah, leave us some questions. Send text Mike some questions on Eagles Extra. We'll try. Maybe we'll do like a mailbag pod coming up because um, those are always good. We haven't done one in a while, so maybe we'll ask some questions on Twitter too. Uh, but yeah, let us know, and uh, we'll talk to you guys soon. Deuces.